Hi everyone, and thank you so much uh, for joining again. My name is Phil Bruns, and I'm the leader of the Blue Ridge Church of Christ in Charlottesville, Virginia. And thanks so much for joining us. Uh, we're going to be looking at today Matthew chapters 3 and 4. If you listened to last time, Matthew chapter 1 and 2, uh, we shared about Matthew uh, uh, proving uh, that Jesus was who he was and that there was fulfillment of the Old Testament scriptures. And we're going to talk just a, a bit more about that today. But thanks for taking so much time uh, to, uh, to join us here today. You know, you can avoid a lot of trouble by not making bad decisions. Wrong decisions can result in wasted time, wasted money, hurt feelings, physical pain, emotional hardship or stress, or a host of other things that no one really wants to choose to experience. And you might be, right now as you listen to this, thinking of some bad decisions that either you've made or someone else has made that you've been at the wrong end of and it's been hurtful or has cost you some time, or cost you uh, some hardship of some sort. You know, I, several years ago, my first home, uh, we, we had purchased a home and moved in in the uh, fall and um, in Ohio, and the, the winter, you know, kind of shuts everything down as far as the grass uh, growing, trees growing, bushes growing, and so forth. And so when we moved in, it was at the, the tail end of the growing season of, uh, of the year, in the spring, the yard started to come alive. The grass started to grow, and I got to mow my lawn for the very first time. It was my very first house, and I was so excited about that. But along with the green grass that was growing and the, the lush yard, along came thistles, along came dandelions and other broadleaf weeds, and there were, they were growing everywhere. And I thought, oh, no, I don't want that. And so being my, my uh, inexperienced self, I, I bought some uh, yard, uh, some, some weed killer at the uh, store, a kind that would, would attach to the end of your garden hose. And it came about July, and I started just to spray the yard with the end of the hose, spraying the yard uh, because there were weeds everywhere. Now, I wasn't desiring a, a yard that looked like a, a, a golf course green, but I did want a decent yard that I could walk around in my bare feet and not have to worry about uh, stepping on thistles and other things that would, uh, that would hurt your, your feet walking across the yard. And so I started to spray the weeds, and there were many of them. And I sprayed it. And I thought, oh my goodness, I'm just going to turn it way, way up because the weeds are really bad here in this spot. And so, so I turned it up, and I was pouring the, the, the liquid onto the yard all over the place. It proceeded not to rain for eight weeks in the hot summer, dry summer Ohio weather. It didn't rain for eight weeks. Well, all the weeds died, as did all the grass. <laughs> so everything died in the yard. And I made a bad decision that was gonna cost me more time, cost me more energy, and uh, eventually the, the grass would come back in the following year, but it wasn't with a whole lot of effort. I had made a bad decision. Well, this year I've had to do some work in my, my yard here and we're growing a lot of new grass. And uh, the other day I, I had it aerated, had the lawn aerated, which if you're not familiar with, it pokes holes into, into the ground to give the roots of grass and uh, uh, room to grow and, and things to expand. And it just helps to, um, helps your, your, your yard to, to, uh, to, to grow and to grow nicely. I aerated it and then I threw some grass seed uh, down into it 
And then it proceeded to rain almost every other day for the last couple of weeks. I had made a good decision. All that grass seed I had thrown down all in all the holes that were poked into the yard is, is starting to come to life. There's green grass that's growing. And so as I'm trying to bring this, this lawn here where I've done so much work in over the last year, bring it to life, I made a good decision because I knew the weather that was coming. I knew I didn't have time to water it. And so I wanted, you know, a God, I guess, to, to water it with some rainstorms. And then it's been raining. And like I said, I have some grass growing up. I feel like I made a good decision with my yard this year. But life is about choices. Every day, every week, you and I make them. We hope we make the right ones. But there is nobody that has made better choices than Jesus. Jesus is the master uh, of the art of good decision making. If, if we can just get a piece of that, if we can learn to make better choices in the future, well, then we can avoid some of the pitfalls of life. You know, today we're going to look at a couple of stories in the early ministry of Jesus, and I'm going to give you two keys from those stories to help you make better decisions going forward. Today we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 3 and chapter 4. I'll be reading out of the English Standard Version uh, today. But in Matthew chapter 3, uh, starting right in verse 1, it says, In those days John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is the one who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. In chapter 3, uh, John the Baptist, who was a, a relative of Jesus, may have been a cousin, distant cousin. You know, Matthew is just providing more proof. We talked about this last time in Matthew chapter 1 and 2, where Matthew is just filled uh, throughout his book about fulfillment of Old Testament prophecies and proofs that Jesus was who he said he was. And here he references uh, Isaiah chapter 40. And, uh, and he does it again in, in chapter uh, 4, in verses 12 to 17, which we'll talk about here shortly. But I'm going to give you, based on these things, two keys, again, to help make good decisions. The first one is know and be confident in who you are, because that's who God made you. In chapter 3, verse 13, it says, And Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him, referring back to John the Baptist. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and you come to me? I mean, this is like Dwayne the Rock Johnson coming to me to ask for weightlifting advice. Now, Dwayne the Rock Johnson, if you're not familiar with who he is, you can Google his name, and there's going to be plenty of pictures. He has arms the size of a normal person's legs. He is a big guy who works out, I'm sure, every day. I don't know Dwayne personally, but he's got a workout regiment that shows in his body, if you know what I mean. I mean, he just works out. He is strong, and, um, and uh, as I said, his arms would be about the size of my legs. Now, me, on the other hand, I do enjoy exercise, but I don't work out every day. I don't lift weights, and maybe I should, but it would be similar to Dwayne coming to me and asking me for weightlifting advice. So it would make sense that John the Baptist would say what he said. He says, I, I need to be baptized by you. If Dwayne the Rock Johnson came to me, I would say, no, Dwayne, you got it wrong. I need help from you in how to lift weights. And it seems to make sense. 
But in verse 15, Jesus answered him, let it be so now for thus is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. And then he consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water and behold, the heavens were opened to him and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son who I am well pleased. You know, for the first time we see Jesus, we, we, we hear him talk. We, there's, not, again, not any confusion on, on, on who he is. And for Jesus, there's, there's not any confusion here on the choice to be, uh, to be done, to be baptized. You know, there's not, there's not a question concerning John the Baptist's good point of, you know, Jesus, you're actually Jesus. You should be baptizing me. There wasn't an, an indecision here in any way. So knowing who you are, being confident in who you are, because God made you. What John said is perfectly, again, understandable. It's humble. Like, Jesus, I, I should be baptized by you. You're not going to be baptizing me. But Jesus said no. Jesus knew very much who he was and how this was going to go. He, he had heard, you know, the, the, in chapter 1, verse 21, a verse we highlighted last time, that Jesus will, uh, I'm sorry, that Jesus' mother, Mary, will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save people from their sins. I don't think that verse escaped Jesus. I don't think that he wasn't aware of how this ministry of his was going to go as an adult. I think he knew exactly what was coming. I mean, don't forget that he was very much uh, a human with, uh, with blood inside and feelings that could hurt, get hurt just like you and me, but he was going to take this on. And while not for the forgiveness of sins, Jesus' baptism at the beginning of his ministry is very fitting as an example for us, as it was an example of the path to righteousness. For us, our baptism, it's a forgiveness of sins. In Acts chapter 2, we see that. We are baptized at the beginning of our Christianity. We are baptized at the beginning of our ministry as ambassadors for Christ. So it is very fitting, as Jesus saw it, to be baptized at the beginning of his ministry. And then if there was any doubt, God himself says, this is my beloved son with who I am well pleased. You know, everybody wants a dad that's proud of them. I mean, everybody. More everybody. Moreover, everyone would want a dad that is proud of them and then shows it and says it. That lets people know, that feels good and builds confidence in who we are. But unfortunately, because us as well as our fathers and well as all people, we, we are are. are sinners and we fall short in in different ways uh, many of us have received varying degrees of that encouragement right some more than others some none at all but what about god i want you to just pause and just listen to these verses scriptures that i'll share from the old testament in psalm 139 verse 14 I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made wonderful are your works my soul knows it very well in Zephaniah chapter 3 verse 17 the Lord your God is in your midst a mighty one who will save he will rejoice over you with gladness 
He will quiet you by his love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. From the New Testament in Ephesians chapter 2, For we are his workmanship, workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Hey, listen, God thinks you're amazing. God thinks you are the bomb, diggity. He thinks you're all of that and a bag of chips plus. How would your life change today if your opinion of yourself matched God's opinion of you? How would your life change? How would your life change if just the way you thought about yourself matched the way God thinks about you? So regardless of our our fathers or our mothers or people around us, we got to know that you have a God that thinks you're amazing. There's more scriptures that you can dig up and look at of what God thinks of you. But that Zephaniah scripture, he, he will rejoice over you with gladness. We are his workmanship. We are uh, uh, made by him wonderfully and fearfully. God has put a lot of effort into you. Know who you are. Know who you are by God's view. Know who you are by the way God sees you. That confidence that Jesus had taking on God's view of him helped him farther to make great choices. As we see Matthew chapter 4 verses 1 to 11, he is tempted by the devil in several different ways. The confidence came through incredible times with God and deep prayer and scripture study. It came in deep times of fasting and being with God. He could take on God's view of him because he was intimate with God. Through incredibly difficult moments of temptation, he made great choices. In fact, the the very first one, it says that Jesus had fasted for 40 days. For 40 days, he didn't eat. And it says he was hungry. And so what does the devil tempt him with? Of course, with food. Again, the first key is to know and be confident in who you are because God made you. That will help you make better decisions. The second is to consider the other alternative. If you choose to go right, maybe consider what's going to happen if you turn left. Considering the other alternative to getting up, to getting dressed and going to class or going to work on Monday morning. Consider the alternative to stopping for gas when the gauge is getting low. If I didn't get my grass seed in my lawn the other day before I knew we'd have a week or two of of quite a bit of rain, I knew it was going to take a lot more of my time. I knew the other alternative. In Matthew chapter 4 and verse 18, says, while walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. He called them, and immediately they left their boat and their father and followed him. And he went through all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel 
of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So his fame spread throughout all Syria and they brought him all the sick, those who were afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, those having seizures and paralytics, and he healed them. And the great crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis and from Jerusalem and Judea and from beyond the Jordan. I tell you what, Jesus got after it right away when his ministry started. He was going to be the light. Matthew chapter 4 verse 16 is fulfilling a prophecy from Isaiah chapter 9 that he was going to fill a, uh, that he was a light filling a dark world. It was Jesus. It was no other. He was getting after it. He was getting busy and the world was changing. But what happens if he doesn't do this? What happens if he goes to the fishermen and he says, hey guys, how's the catch the night before? How are you guys doing? How's your business? How much do the fish cost? Or what if he goes up to them and just bypasses them and doesn't talk to them? What happens to the folks in Galilee if he doesn't choose to help them? What happens to them if he doesn't teach them about God's kingdom? What happens if he chooses poorly? What happens if he just chooses his ministry once a week? Ah, ministry day is Sunday morning. Ministry day is just once a week, maybe Wednesday. What happens if he makes that choice? Folks, when I thought about this for myself, I got seriously challenged here. I know the answers. You do too, because I know what happens when I choose not to talk to folks by passing them by. I know what happens when I see a person and the thought comes into my mind of, you know what, I should just invite that person to church with me and I don't do it. I know what happens. Nothing. Nothing happens. I think Jesus saw the other alternatives very clearly. He's offering the light. He sees that they're, uh, that they're in the darkness. He's very motivated by that. I think he was scared for the folks. He was scared for the fishermen. He was scared for the people he was teaching. And that motivated him, that fear of making bad choices drove him. In fact, your know, fear of making bad choices drives a lot. For example, Going back to earlier, you know, the fear of losing your job actually makes you get up and go to work on a Monday morning. The fear of missing information that you know you're going to get tested on later that week, well, that makes you want to get to class. Fear of, of getting halfway you know, to your destination when your gas gauge is low and not stopping for gas, running out of gas on a, on a lonely country road. Well, that fear will make you stop at the gas station and get gas for your car. Fear drives us sometimes to make good choices. And so seeing consequences of bad decisions ahead of time is like a catapult, honestly, to good decisions. No one wants consequences. Nobody wants to be tested on something that they skipped class on two days before. No one wants to willingly you know, kind of lose your job. No one wants to run out of gas and have to hoof it for 10 miles to go 
to the nearest gas station. Knowing who you are and seeing the other alternative clearly is going to help you to make better choices for sure. But why did I pick these two? Why these two keys? How do I know? Well, I think that's exactly what the four fishermen, Simon, Andrew, James, and John did. They could have said no too. They could have said, no, I don't have time. Thank you for asking. Because sometimes we say that, don't we? To God, I have a lot going on. We're good with what we have learned in the past. Thanks for asking, Jesus. Can I just get your business card and I'll get back to you? Maybe I'll get around to it. Isn't that our response sometimes? The fishermen could have made those same exact responses. I think they would have a lot to learn. And they didn't know all was going to happen, but they were confident in who God had made them. You see, they were choosing Jesus because Jesus was choosing them. Jesus choosing them gave them hope. And they're like, yes, I'm going to follow this guy, Jesus. I believe they'd had conversations before this. It wasn't just out of the blue that Jesus comes up and walks them up to him and they don't know who he is. Because they dropped, they, you know, they dropped everything to follow Jesus. They were making good choices. They totally knew that Jesus believed in them. And they were all in. In fact, two of the guys left their own father sitting in the boat. It's like, we'll see you later, Dad. We're going to go follow Jesus now. And they also knew the alternative. Why else would they leave so quickly in such haste? Matthew left his tax collecting table. These guys left their, their fishing nets and boats. These people were leaving their livelihoods to follow Jesus. And while I believe that you know, we should get good jobs and we need work and, and, uh, and we should be very diligent with the talents that God gives us. These guys are actually a model for us and what it means to follow Jesus. They were a model for us and what it was going to take to follow this man, Jesus. Let's make good decisions this week. Know who you are, who God made you, and find out from him by your time with him. Don't listen to me. Don't listen to your friends. Go in and to God's word and find out from God himself what he thinks of you. And number two, consider your other alternatives to help guide you to the right choice. Folks, I hope that finds, helps encourage you. I hope, I hope that you can uh, help you uh, make good decisions. Thanks again so much for joining us, and we'll look forward to having you again. Thank you.